Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We're continuing our conversations of feasts and commemorations. We're just doing a deep dive into history. Well, like as much in, as you can in, in 12 like minutes. short segments, <laughs> so, which is um, difficult. <laughs> today is the church's commemoration of John Chrysostom, preacher. Joining us today, the Reverend Dr. Jeffrey Boyle, pastor of Grace Lutheran Church and Trinity Lutheran Church in Wichita, Kansas. Dr. Boyle, thanks so much for being our guest today. Oh, it's a joy to be back with you, Andy and Sarah. We are looking forward to digging into the history of John Chrysostom, the preacher. So who is, who was John Chrysostom? Is, I think, is actually better there because Ooh, okay. because he still is. Uh, not only is he in our memory and uh, our studies and joy and the influence that he continues to exert, but but he truly does live in Christ. And so I think it's best to speak of these saints as those that are among us, not simply were among us. They, they live in Christ and they continue to form and shape us today. So who is he? So, yes. Um, he, he is, uh, you know, there's a recent conversation about the Bible being the bedrock or the foundation of truth. And, and what does it mean for it to be such that uh, everything is built off of that? And so it's really our culture is the Bible, I think, is what Jordan Peterson said recently. And that's it's causing a stir as to how do we think about that. But what he means by that is that there's a foundation. And from that foundation, you are, you are always speaking, doing things, writing things built on that foundation. So you, who you are derives from what's underneath you. And the scriptures are, I think he's absolutely right, the primary foundation for our culture, for our thinking, for our language, for our speech, all of it. But then there come other sort of foundation stones built off of the scriptures, but have exerted an influence in the church's life um, in a foundational way, such that others are built on top of it. And John Chrysostom's one of those voices that the church is built upon. And, and so I think that's just to put him into a context. He is like Augustine. He is uh, like perhaps later on Aquinas. And for us Lutherans in particular, he's like Luther in terms of uh, being that sort of monumental figure that has shaped the way the church prays, uh, teaches, preaches, uh, cares for the poor, uh, looks after the needy, uh, practices ascetic life. I mean, all of this stuff Chrysostom is embodying and introducing and extolling in his own day. So that's, uh, that's maybe the groundwork for him. Uh, he lives in the fourth century uh, and, and dies in the early fifth century. So as far as we could tell, it looks like he was born around 347. And uh, his dad, actually, I think this is important for his own formation. His dad died very early, uh, right after John's birth, which meant he was raised by a single 20-year-old mother, uh, which gives you just a little insight into what we deal with today is not terribly new. And, And so some of what can come of that is great, of course, disaster and fear, but she tied to the church, you made use of the church, and 
was able to get John raised in an incredible way. He went to the absolute best rhetorical school, uh, studying under Libanius, who is known as the greatest rhetorician of the fourth century. Which a fun story on that. So uh, first of all, side tangent, uh, I've mentioned before that I'm involved in trying to start classical education here in Wichita and trying to start a classical Lutheran high school where rhetoric will be a major component. St. John was classically educated. All of it was in Greek. All of it was reading these pagan fathers. And his teacher, Libanius, is a pagan. And the foremost rhetorician in the world, when he was dying, his, his disciples kind of asked, who should take over this school that you have built up? And he said, John, had not the Christians stolen him from us? I mean, it's, it's an incredible thing that the respect of this pagan for Chrysostom's preaching and teaching and, and his rhetorical ability is incredible. And that all comes from his education. I mean, he was shaped as a rhetorician, someone that was able to discern logically one thing from another, had learned the rules, the, the grammar of the language and, and the thought, and then could demonstrate it incredibly well. So that's, that's his mother's care for him was through this education, getting him baptized. He was uh, baptized when he was uh, about 20 years old, actually. And uh, then it came about fairly quickly after his baptism that he heard rumors that they were going to make him a priest. And so he fled, <laughs> literally fled, found a, a, a monastic that he could hide under and learn from. And then from there, he went to a cave and lived two years in solitude. <laughs> I mean, this, this guy uh, did not want to be a priest. And I know we don't have much time, but one of his books that I would highly recommend is actually six books on the priesthood, which is vital for every pastor to read. Or if you're a seminarian or considering the seminary, you must read six books on the priesthood. Because he basically tells you why no one should enter the priesthood. <laughs> it's, it's too difficult. It's too weighty, too glorious a task, and no one can fulfill it. So he flees. Uh, he does, in fact, come back during his time of asceticism. He's just pouring over the scriptures, learning them really by heart. And, and he is uh, made first a deacon and then that's in 381, I think it is, the same year as the Second Ecumenical Council. And then uh, in 386, he's made a priest. And then 10 years later, the sort of surprise move, he is made Archbishop of Constantinople. So this is, this is a guy that fled the priesthood, now is Archbishop of the new city of Constantinople, uh, and uh, gets himself into all sorts of trouble politically within the church and within the state because he actually calls a thing like it is. So that's, that's the brief overview. He ends up, he dies in exile actually in 407, only 60 years old. Wow. I want to know so much, but since we just have a short time yes. today, uh, I'm curious how, how his life and his work at that time connects to things that we may be familiar with or, or may hear about today. Sure. Uh, he was an incredibly personal and intentional pastor. 
And so while he's known as the golden mouth, that's what Chrysostom means, uh, known for his preaching that is uh, very rhetorically gifted, but he was also a pastor in the sense of, uh, for instance, one of his homilies on Hebrews chapter two, he ends up saying something like, look, if you didn't understand me yesterday, and I'm going to find out because I'm going to visit you in your home, and I'm going to ask you if you got this, and I'm going to examine you to see how much you retained. And if you're not getting it, then I'm going to have to say it again, or differently, or better. So he's he's got this grasp on on the person. He doesn't want to just preach in in a way that is over everyone's head. He wants to make sure it's dug into their souls. He's also known for his works on marriage and family life. Even though as an ascetic and, and a celibate, he extols marriage in these sermons on, on Ephesians 5, really, that are so incredibly beautiful. So, so that's another place. He's got a great work on uh, wealth and poverty and caring for the poor. And he, he established, he, one of the stories is as Archbishop, he sells all the marble in the place so that he could create a hospital for the lepers. I mean, there's, this guy is constantly about the actual needs of the body and the faith of the individual that is there to hear him. So you gave us some recommended reading from Chrysostom. Any other recommended reading sure. from Chrysostom? Well, sure. One, I give my people this every year at our Easter vigil service. I, for the homily, I read the Paschal homily of St. John Chrysostom, and I print it in our bulletins. It is the same homily every year, and you can't improve it. So it is, it's just incredible. It's short. So if you want a very short, concise way of accessing Chrysostom, I would just simply do a Google search, Paschal homily, St. John Chrysostom, and you'll find a million places to read it. Uh, so that his book on marriage and family life is excellent. His six books on the priesthood is ex- excellent. And any of his homilies, he preached on basically the entire New Testament. So uh, you can look that, those up. They're available online for free, the Nicene Post-Nicene Father series. Uh, just search St. John Chrysostom homilies on uh, like the letter to the Hebrews or, or St. Matthew's Gospel or something like that, and you'll find loads of his homilies there, all accessible. What is something that we can take away from his life and work, um, learning about him and and what he how he served the church? Good. I think one of the things about him, and, and this is maybe a story about his death, but his legacy. So he died. I had mentioned briefly that he got into some political turmoil with the empress, um, and then political turmoil with. Uh, the Bishop of Alexandria at that point, which happens to be St. Cyril's uncle, um, he was he died in exile. He died lonely. He died um, away from his preaching, his, his pastorate, his people that he was given care for. And it wasn't until after his death, almost 30 years after, which is why we're celebrating tomorrow this commemoration, uh, where his bones were in fact brought back to Constantinople. So we may die without ever seeing the fulfillment of our desires. We may die uh, without having ever felt a fulfilled life. And yet in Christ, our Lord has a way of bringing things about and granting us that fulfillment that is found in him apart from our own desires and passions. And so it's a call, I think, from John's life to be faithful. 
last but not least, why January 27th? So why is the, his commemoration on this date? Good. That's, that's the date his bones were brought back. It was Theodosius II, who was the, the son of the empress that John just, uh, he would call her Herodias. He, he was a guy that liked the Baptist uh, and she treated him as such saying she wanted his head on a platter, but, uh, he called a thing like it was. And if, if you're an empress or not, it doesn't matter. You are going to hear the word of the Lord. It was her son whom John baptized some 30 years earlier, 20 years earlier that then brought his bones back to Constantinople. And the story is that as they're being brought in on in the silver casket, more or less, he falls down with his head against the, this is the emperor now, Theodosius, with his head against uh, the coffin, praying that John would forgive him and his family. It's a, that, so that's what tomorrow is. That's the commemoration of that day. He died on September 14th. We celebrate the Feast of the Holy Cross that day. And so this, this is a fitting feast. Our guest today, the Reverend Dr. Jeffrey Boyle, pastor of Grace Lutheran Church and Trinity Lutheran Church in Wichita, Kansas. Thanks so much for the insights on John Chrysostom. You're welcome, and sorry it had to be so short and rushed. <laughs> it's all good. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Gilson. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Anywhere.